Friday. Hey, Leslie, don't go with him. An important Mr. Belvedere. He might try to put his hands on him or something. What do you mean, Wes? That's what he did to me. Hey there, everybody. This is Angela Bowen, the host of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast. Well, I finally decided to cover this episode. It's a very big, important episode from season four. It's actually the finale, season four, episode 20, entitled The Counselor. Wesley's summer camp experience is marred by a counselor who gains his trust and then betrays it with the manner in which he attempts to touch him. Wesley is afraid to come forward with the truth until the man decides to take another one of the boys under his wing. This has a very high rating, which I'm not surprised. It has an 8.2 out of 10 based on 25 ratings on IMDb. Uh, this episode was directed by Tony Sheehan, and let's see, we got the creators, Frank Dungan, Jeff Stein, also written by Frank Dungan, Tony Sheehan, and written also by Jeff Stein. So, I'm seeing if there's any, let's see, oh, there's references here, uh... American Dad Jack's back. Roger and Tommy Callahan persona tells Haley that he just Mr. Belvedere himself. Okay, that's gross. Don't need to hear that. Okay, uh, trivia. This episode also does not show Mr. Belvedere writing a note of events in his diary. As it concludes, the concluding scene has duo of Wesley T. Owens, acted by Bryce Beckham, and leading role, Mr. Lynn Aloysius Belvedere, portrayed by Christopher Hewitt, warning the television listeners to become aware at camps of any type, especially those that are troublemaking. If you see one, completely avoid him or her. Okay. The only episode that Mr. Belvedere does not write a note in his diary. Or his journal. Okay, this episode aired on May 6th, 1988. Um, I don't see any user reviews for it. Um, my experience, my history with this episode, I believe I did watch it in syndication when it was on, probably when I was between 10 and 12. And it struck a chord with me. Um, I didn't have an experience like Wesley's like that. Um... Mine actually had to deal with a student who was a grade above me. And the the guy, the kid was putting his arm around me. And the thing is, this this kid had a predatory nature about him. He, he put his arm around me. It made me feel uncomfortable. He even tried to kiss me once. I didn't like it. And I never said anything to anybody. I never once said anything. And years later, as an adult, I looked him up. Sure enough, this person was in jail or prison because he was a sex offender. So I'm not surprised that that happened. But I didn't feel comfortable saying anything to anybody. So I'm happy that Wesley was able to speak up. I mean, it doesn't necessarily always have to be an adult with a younger child. It can be an older kid who could try to take advantage of a younger child. And growing up, I was always very impressionable. 
and sometimes probably even easily influenced. And I probably just didn't want to say anything for fear that I would get in trouble. So let's jump right into this episode. Is this the Owens residence? I'm Mr. Belvedere. Alright, now we jump into the cold open. It's breakfast time. Belvedere is pretty much cleaning up after everyone's eaten breakfast. Heather's still there at the table. So this has clearly got to be summertime. I believe Heather is in summer school. She has to retake English because she didn't do so great during the school year. Marcia's all set to go. She's still, I believe she's still with uh, law school. I'm going to play this clip because this is funny. There are some little funny parts in it, which I think probably kind of help cushion the seriousness of this episode because if they weren't here it would be very depressed it would be very unsettling to watch come on heather you don't want to be late but in summer i still don't see what i have to go to school for because that's what happens to people who get a d in english oh but i don't need all that grammar junk i talk good or perhaps for this class you'll learn to talk even gooder <laughs> See ya. I'm going to work. I thought you didn't have to be there till noon. Yeah, well, starting today, Mr. Klutz is open for breakfast. It is? Yeah, we've been getting killed ever since Schnitzel World started its wiener in a waffle. Oh, and what are you serving? Beaks Benedict? Kevin, might you drop me at school so I shan't be late? How is that? Much gooder. <laughs> So, Heather's all like, well, I don't need all that grammar junk. I talk good. And Belvedere's like, well, hopefully with this class, you'll talk even gooder. And apparently, Heather got a D, which I'm not that surprised. She really doesn't have... She's not of the studious nature. And apparently, she got a D in English. Okay, you have to want to get a D. You have to, like, do next to no work to get a D or put zero effort into something. And she's all like, why do I have to go to summer school? And Marcia tells her, well, if you hadn't gotten a D in English, you wouldn't be in this situation. So that's Heather's deal. Kevin comes in, he's dressed up in his Mr. Cluck's uniform. And normally he goes into work about noon, which when I worked at KFC, they didn't open till 11, which is sweet. So I could sleep into like 1030 because KFC didn't, was not that far from where I was. It was like maybe 10 minutes away. So I'm like, I'm going to sleep in. Um, but apparently Mr. Clucks is now serving breakfast because the schnitzel restaurant across the street is serving wieners in a waffle. I don't know how I, that just, ugh. hot dogs in a waffle, that's just nasty. I mean, I know that Jimmy Dean's sausages, they have the, like, sausage in a pancake. It, maybe a waffle wouldn't be, I don't know. It, mm, a hot, wiener hot dog in a waffle just, I don't know. But, of course, Mr. Clucks, they gotta compete. They gotta, they wanna be the best. We're gonna open at 8 o'clock in the morning and get all the, or 6 or 7 in the morning so we can be, like, the best 
restaurant out there. We gotta keep compete with all the uh, McDonald's and Burger Kings and Subways that are open for breakfast. So Heather asked Kevin, like, can you give me a drop me or something so I shan't be light? Or something. She tries to use proper English. Like, how was that? And Belvedere's like, oh, that's much gooder. So Wes is coming in. He's wearing his Camp Cucamonga or Camp, no, Camp Chippewa um, blue t-shirt. It just got some bold print on it. Just your average run-of-the-mill shirt. Bus didn't come. Can I go back to bed now? It'll be here any minute. You get back out there. I don't see why I have to go to some stupid day camp anyway. I'd rather go to summer school with Heather. At least it's air-conditioned. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. They have a lake up there and everything. Yeah, well, I bet I know whose idea was to send me to this place. Actually, I had somewhere else in mind. But Devil's Island wouldn't take you. I'll see you tonight. Have a good time. Bye-bye, Mr. Belvedere. Bye-bye, Mrs. Owens. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye, Mom. Bye-bye. I'm leaving now. Be sure to write. <laughs> really bad if I get chewed up by bears or something. Nonsense, Wesley. Why should they single you out? <laughs> so yeah, Wesley walks in the door like, hey, the bus hasn't shown up. Can I go back to bed? And Marshall's like, honey, no, no, just go back out there. The bus will be here very shortly. And he's like, man, I see. I don't see why I can't go to summer school with Heather. At least it's air conditioned. I don't want to go to this day. It's a day camp. So he's probably there from like maybe nine until like three in the afternoon. And he's like, gee, I wonder whose idea was to send me here. And of course, we get shot at Mr. Belvedere. Like, oh, well, I uh, thought about sending you to Devil's Island, but they wouldn't take you. So Marsha's like, don't worry about it, honey. You're going to have a great time. Just have fun. They're swimming up there. We'll get to the swimming. <sighs> um, so she leaves and Wesley's like, well, uh, I'm leaving now. And Belvedere's like, uh-huh. And he's like, I bet you're going to feel real bad if I get chewed up by a bear. And I love Mr. Belvedere's response. Oh, Wesley, why would they single you out? As Wesley turns, we see a construction, a red construction piece of paper on his back that says in bold print, eat me. <laughs> of course, Mr. Belvedere has to kind of giggle at that. Wesley turns and kind of gives him the side eye, like, what's so funny? And Belvedere just kind of waves, like, bye. And that is the cold open. It's pretty much, you got Wesley's main plot, you got Kevin and Heather as a side plot, and then I do believe we haven't gotten we didn't see in the cold open. We didn't even see George. He's, I guess, off for work and he wants to go golfing and Belvedere kind of invites himself along. So Belvedere's having a time here. He's loving this. The house is empty. There's no one here. He's blasting his opera while he's doing um, some cleaning around the living room. He's got this, like, Viking horn helmet with, like... Like, faux white fur kind of coming out of the sides where the horns protrude outward. And he's just really, really getting into it. Oh, he's got a hat for, I guess it's a duet. Because there's a man singing and then a woman. And he's 
which this one's got it's a similar helmet without the faux the fake fur coming out of the horns but then it's got this fake um bad seed girl blonde um braids non-laura ingles from walnut grove <laughs> Of course, this is the moment as he's wearing the braids that George decides to come down the stairs. Because at first it's like, you don't think anyone's even there. And George comes down. He's like looking at Belvedere with this peculiar look like, what am I walking in on here? So George comes down and Belvedere f turns to face the stairs and he's got his arm out as he's really belting out, you know, Miming the uh, the words and everything, and his mouth is just drops to the floor, agape, like he was not expecting someone else to be here. <laughs> George, I didn't know there was anyone here. Right, big guy. I had some time, and I thought I'd listen to a little Wagner. Great. So, uh, let's say we go out for some Swedish meatballs. <laughs> You're dressed for it. Aren't you going to be late for work? I got two weeks off. Oh, wonderful. Let me help you pack. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. Marsh is working. Oh. So, uh, you want to do something? No, thank you. Hey, come on. It's a nice day. Let's go out and toss the football around. You start without me. I'll catch up. Hey, come on, Belvedere. I'm bored. The guy I was supposed to play golf with copped out. Hey, you want to come? I'm afraid I've never played the game. You never played golf? I thought you guys invented it. It is a Scottish invention, George. Like the bagpipes. And I'm sure just as annoying. <laughs> It'll be fun. I'll even let you drive the little cart. Oh, golly. Can I help hump the horn, too? <laughs> Apparently, George has two weeks off from work. He's an anchor, a TV sports anchor. How, what? I don't know. I don't know. And the reason that Belvedere like, wants to hang out with Belvedere, who's really the least of his favorite people, is because he's bored. He even goes so far like, hey, why don't we go out and throw the football around? I'm bored. I can't really go anywhere because Marsha's at you know, law school. It's like, you have the whole day to hang out. Does it really matter if Heather comes home and hangs out by herself? Go out somewhere. So, Bel uh, oh, um, George mentions about, like, Swedish meatballs because he says that Belvedere's dressed for it because he's wearing, uh, the blonde braids. <laughs> And he mentions, uh, like, hey, why don't we go golfing? The guy that I was supposed to go with backed out. And Belvedere's never played. And this surprises George. Like, wow, I thought you guys invented golf. And Belvedere's like, no, we didn't. And George even goes so far as like, hey, I will let you ride the little, drive the little golf cart around. And Belvedere's like, oh, goody. Can I honk the horn, too? Uh, the golf carts are fun. I used to do that with uh, my dad when I was like 10 or 11 years old. He let me drive around a little bit on the golf course. And um, I don't think I told the story on this podcast, 
I think it was the Wonder Years one. <laughs> I told uh, during that golfing episode um, that I accidentally ran over my um, my uncle's foot. He was standing right there, he and my dad and a couple of the friends, and I just put my foot on the accelerator, accelerator just ever so lightly, and it just, like, jumped forward, and I felt so bad. All right, now we get to the camp. Where Wesley and six or seven or eight other kids are here. I guess their parents don't want to deal with them either. So this lady is really enthused. She loves her job. Uh, she's doing arts and crafts. She's got some string. She tells the kids, hey, you can make a keychain or a necklace or even a belt. With a piece of string, you can make a belt. Well, if you weave them together, you probably could come up with something cool. And she's, like, really trying to get the kids enthused. We have the guy in the background. We haven't seen his face yet, but this is the guy that's going to be causing um, issues. And I'm guessing, does this lady run the camp herself? I mean, this is 1986, right? Or... 88? Did they not do background checks back then? I'm sure it was even harder to be able to um, weed out the pedophiles and the molesters and everything. But nowadays, Jeremy and I were talking about the, the Boys and Girls Club. Because when Jeremy and his brother were young, they had um, the Bigger Brother program where they had, like, an individual, you know, take them out, hang out with them, take them out to lunch, movies, what have you. And Jeremy and I were mentioning that, and I told him, like, to get into Bigger Brothers, Bigger Sisters, that's gonna be, like, trying to break into a bank vault. There's gotta be so much red tape involved. It's where they do fingerprinting, background checks, all of that stuff. Which is, I'm happy that they do that now. And I don't say that I would be disqualified from doing that if I wanted to. Which I really don't. Um, but there was just, that would be a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, it's worth it though. To make sure your kid is getting the best person out there that really wants to give back. And hopefully not just use it to pad their college resume. So I'm going to play a clip with the, the, this lady here explaining this fun, fun craft activity. You see, by weaving the different colored strands together, you can make many wonderful things. Like a keychain, or a bracelet, or even a belt. I don't have enough stuff to make a belt for her. <laughs> before. Oh, yes. I used to help my Aunt Zelda make things when I'd visit her at the asylum. <laughs> when she got out, her keychain was a mile long. <laughs> Very amusing, Wesley. Perhaps you'd like to help Counselor Perry hand out the craft materials. <laughs> Now, we're going to work on our projects for a half hour or so and then break for our little lunches of homemade peanut butter sandwiches and fresh-picked radishes. I think we may be breaking for lunch a little early. What's going on? I called the catering truck. 
course we get the fat shaming of this poor lady who's just trying to do her job. Wesley's like, oh yeah, I don't think there's enough material to make a whole belt for her. As he whispers to the blonde kid next to him. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then she asks if anyone's ever made like a lanyard. And I gotta say, I love lanyards because I, I, I put my, um, I, my work badge on it and... Usually I have one for Christmas. It's the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Lanyard. I only um, wear it for December. And <laughs> he mentions that I, this, he's just bullshitting her. Like, oh, I helped my Aunt Zelda in the asylum make a lanyard once or something. And by the time she got out, it was like a mile long. Like, sure. So... The late Miss Pritchard, that's her name, um, she tells the kids that they're going to do that for about an hour and then break for lunch, which is like PB&J sandwiches and radishes. What? No drink? I thought she was going to like, and you get to drink bug juice, which I thought is a common thing I with, um, remember that show on the Disney Channel, Bug Juice? It was like a reality camp um, show, which for me was... I got that, that was late 90s, like 97, 98, and that was my first real type of, like, reality TV. So, Miss Pritchard, she's on to Wes, like, hey, smart mouth, why don't you go help Counselor Perry, who we see turn around, and he's laughing at Wesley's jokes. He finds them, you know, comical and everything. So, while he... Wesley's helping out Perry. We hear a honk, honk, honk. What's that sound? And Wesley's like, oh, I called the catering truck. And who's going to fit that bill? You? Or foot that bill? I don't think that lady is. I doubt Perry's going to. Now, I pulled up this, um, Pritchard, Miss Pritchard lady. And sadly, we have a RIP. She passed away. Let me get back on this. The actress's name is Diana Bellamy. She passed away in 2001. Wow. That breaks my heart. She's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart of a lady. Last thing she did, 2001, she was in Diagnosis Murder for an episode. She's in 11 episodes of a show called Popular Would Tram for maybe a couple seasons. She was the principal Celia Hall. She was in Air Force One. I feel like I've li uh, seen this lady in other things. Okay, she played like four different characters in four episodes of Married with Children. She was in an episode of Seinfeld, the Andrea Doria. I don't know. Andrea Doria? Uh, let's see what else we got. There's gotta be something I've seen her in. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad? What the hell? 53 episodes of that. I don't know what the hell that is. Is that a knockoff Power Rangers? Uh, Murphy Brown. She was in an episode of that. Amelia Earhart, The Final Flight. Oh, there's a TV movie about Amelia Earhart. Oh, she played a judge in um, Living Single. Step by step. Come on. I know I've seen her in some... She was in an episode of Home Improvement. Nothing, nothing I've seen her in. I might be mistaking her with some other lady. She was in Doogie Hauser for an episode. Life goes on. Uh, she's been a holy shit. She's been a, a lot, like one bit, one episode character thing. So nothing. Yeah, I. 
I must be confusing her with somebody else in my mind because yeah all right guys now we go back home Marsha is there on the couch as Heather comes, or no, as Kevin comes in, he is at a day. He is not happy. Oh, he's brought Heather home with him. Great. You know, when I worked at KFC, no matter how many times you wash your uniform and pants, they always smell like the restaurant. It's like that oil, that grease. I mean, I didn't make the chicken. But I did the orders and stuff like that, and I also made up the orders. I took them, I made the orders, I made coleslaw, panda biscuits. But it's like, that stuff like seeps into the uniform and stuff. And those two shirts that they gave me, what a joke. Because towards, I was there for like a little over two years, still wore the same shirts. One of which had a giant freaking rip. In the stomach area. And I never got a replacement. What a joke. And I'm sure the shirts and pants they gave me were like used from the last person that had worked there. So this is the first day of summer school for Heather. as She's bummed about already getting homework. Well, it's summer school. They're gonna give you homework. Even on the first day. Marsha asks, hey Kev, how was Mr. Cluck's breakfast hour? And he's like, oh, well, it was horrible switching from lunch to breakfast. Somebody freaked out because they got feathers in their... French toast. Feathers? Are you defeathering the the dead chickens there at the restaurant? You don't get them already plucked? They're not pre-plucked? Oh my gosh. That reminds me <laughs> of uh, one of the first episodes of Crank Yankers. That, that show that came out in like 2001 and 2002 with the people like calling as different characters to these places. And I don't know whether it was a KFC or a Popeyes or whatever they had called, but it was this old guy named Elmer who was, like, saying how he got a bucket full of chicken that had beaks in it, which, bullshit. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I just remember that. That was kind of funny. No, he was funny. <laughs> so, Belvedere and George are not back yet. What time is this? Like, four in the afternoon? Everyone's, like, complaining, like, oh, I'm starving. I wish we had dinner going. He should be starting it, like, right now. And I'm sure Marsha's like, well, huh, kids, if you want food, I'll make it for you. And I'm sure they're like, uh, no, we'll wait. We'll, we'll just make a sandwich or something. No, she, yeah, she, uh, throws down her pen like, oh, you know what? I can get something started. And both Kevin and Heather put their hands on Marsha's shoulders to push her back onto the couch. Like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're fine, Mom. Don't, don't worry. We'll take care of ourselves. So apparently, Marsha, is this a trope with the 80s sitcoms is the moms don't really know. It's not that they don't know how to cook. It's that they're just not that great at cooking. George comes back. He's got his clubs with him. He's wearing this fuchsia-colored polo shirt. And Marsha's like, hey, hon, how was the game? George is pissed. He's like, I am never showing my face at that country club again. And of course, in walks Belvedere. He's got this um, argyle, like olive green and forest green argyle sweater vest. He's got the olive green hat with a yellow fuzzy pompadour that looks like a koosh ball. 
walking in. Apparently, George was just embarrassed by what, how Belvedere looks, how he's dressed, whether he didn't play all that great. Hi, guys. I can't believe it. I already got homework. Have homework, excuse me. How was breakfast at Mr. Cook's? I don't want to talk about it. It's just things got kind of hectic switching over from breakfast to the regular chicken menu. I mean, one guy gets some feathers in his French toast, and everybody wants their money back. Where's Mr. Belvedere? Should he be starting dinner? Oh, yeah, he wasn't here when I got home. He probably went someplace with your dad. Great, I'm starving. Oh, well, I can get something started. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. Sorry. Hey, honey, how was your game? I'm never going to show my face at that country club again. <laughs> Did George tell you he dragged me out on the links? I should have backed over him with the cart when I had the chance. He's a bit miffed because I got a hole in one my first day out. You did? Actually, it was rather a fluke. My ball got a lucky bounce off a gentleman on the green. Belvedere, I told you, you're supposed to wait until the people in front of you are finished. I yelled five. It's four. Oh, right. I'm going to go change. I'm sorry, George. I didn't mean to ruin your game. That's okay, Belvedere. I promise I'll do better tomorrow. <laughs> so George is like, dang, I wish I had run over him with the golf cart. And apparently Belvedere got a hole-in-one on his first try, which, wow, great. And he got a lucky shot because he whapped someone in the back of the head. And George is like, Belvedere, I told you you're supposed to wait for the people in front of you to finish first. And Belvedere's like, well, I yelled five. And George is like, it's four. So George heads upstairs. He's pissed off. And Belvedere's like, well, I'm sure I'll do better tomorrow. And George just stops, turns, and just glares at Belvedere like, I'm not, we're not doing this ever again. So don't even think we are. All right, Wesley's come home and he's got uh, he's got something. What's he bringing home? He's got binoculars. Well, no kid can get in trouble with binoculars. I mean, yeah. I remember I had well, they weren't my binoculars. I got them from the farm, well, my grandparents' house, and it was really cool because being we lived in the country, our kitchen window above the sink, if we looked out, or even in the window in the the um the dining area. We got the woods in the back so we could like really zoom in on like the deer that would gather like at the back of the field in front of the woods. It was pretty cool. How was your first day at camp? I take it you didn't burn the forest down? No, we got out the fire before it reached the trees. <laughs> so, like my binoculars? Yes. What did you do, Marga Ranger? <laughs> no, Council Perry gave them to me. Said I could use them the whole time in the camp. Wesley, haven't we talked about your taking advantage of people, especially unsuspecting adults? Yeah, well, he likes me. And which Hazel, the other counselor, hates my guts, so it all comes out even. <laughs> you getting ready for Halloween? All right, get ready for dinner. Okay, but first I want to go outside and see if I can find any of the birds we learned about today. Very well, but remember, no looking through Fifi Huffnagel's window. <laughs> up. 
So Belvedere makes a joke as he comes in, like, "Oh, I see you didn't, uh, you didn't burn down the forest, did you?" And Wesley kind of comes back with, "Oh, well, I mean, we got the fire put out before it made it to the trees," and he's like, I- "I'm just checking out my new uh, binoculars that uh, Counselor Perry gave me." And Belvedere kind of makes a point of, like, you know, Wesley, you really shouldn't be taking advantage of adults. And Wesley tells him, well, like, no, Mr. Uh, or Coach Perry really, or Coach, <laughs> Counselor Perry really likes me. It's better than that. Uh, he calls um, the other counselor, the lady, Witch Hazel. Like, she hates my guts, so it's uh, kind of, e- we're kind of even, so, or something like that, so... Yeah, uh, adults that give kids gifts, that is a red flag right there. Like, why is he giving you that? Why is he paying paying special attention to you? Which we haven't really seen them interact, other than he was just helping pass out some stuff. But it went to the next scene, so this is where we're going to see... Like, more interaction between uh, Wes and uh, Counselor Perry. Who, Counselor Perry's a young guy, probably early to mid-twenties. He's got his hat on backwards. He's trying to be the cool guy. As opposed to the um, stuffy counselor who is singing B-I-N-G-O, bingo. Come on, lady, can't you get one of the 80s? Play a cool song that the kids are going to know. So, Wesley is the only kid that's also wearing a hat. Let me guess. Counselor Perry gave you that hat, buddy? Did he give you the Walkman, too? Because Wesley is listening to a Walkman. And that's why when everyone claps in succession to the song, he is like a beat or so late. Like, yeah, you're not listening. The rest of us are done. (laughs) All right, campers, it's two o'clock in time to get ready for our nature hike. (laughs) I don't want to go on some stupid hike. It's boring. It makes your feet sweat. Hey, come on. Maybe we'll see some skunks or possums or something. Are you kidding? Miss Pritchard scares wildlife. (laughs) Wesley, I assume you'll be joining us. Oh, yeah. Ow! Oh! Oh, it's just my stomach hurts real bad. I think it was those wild flowers you made us eat. No one else seems to be ill. I ate the thorns. Wesley, the world has little patience with a malingerer. I'll keep an eye on him, Counselor. Make sure he gets better. Fine. Let's move out, campers. We're burning daylight. Tramp, tramp, tramp along the highway. So, the kids look bored off their fucking asses. One of them's rolling their eyes. The girl on the ground is like, why couldn't I went to tennis camp or gymnastics or acting camp? This stupid fucking day camp that runs from probably 8 a.m. to fucking 5 at night. Because it's 2 o'clock and now she's sending them on a nature hike. The kids all grab their 
backpacks and everything. So they're all ready to go. Well, and the thing is, Wesley's still clapping along. Like he's he's listening to whatever the hell's coming out of his earphones. Um, and the lady counselor stands up, hands the guitar to Perry, goes over, takes Wes's hat off, pulls his earbud, not his earbuds, the headphones away from his ears and says, we're all done. We've stopped singing. What are you doing? And so Wesley does not want to go on this nature hike. So he's like, ah, oh, uh, my stomach. Ugh. And, and the lady sees through this. She's like, Wesley, no one else had a problem with, what did she feed them? Wild flowers or something? And she's like, well, no one else had a problem with it. And he's like, yeah, I eat the thorns too. So Counselor Perry comes up like, hey, I'll, um, I'll watch Wes for you. As he winks at her, I'm like, yeah, this guy's got no ulterior motive. So, yeah, let's single the kid out. Like, oh, don't worry. You go. There'll be no witnesses for what I'm going to do to this boy. And Wesley just sees Counselor Perry as this cool older guy that lets him get away with stuff. Feels pretty bad, huh? Yeah, I wish I had a soda or something. Might help settle my stomach. Hold on. Whoa, does Miss Pritchard know you have this? Actually, they're hers. But we'll make this our little secret, okay? I think I'm okay now. You know, if you hurry, you can catch up with Miss Pritchard. She leaves pretty big tracks. <laughs> I'd rather go down to the lake and go snorkeling. I don't know. You're supposed to do stuff as a group. I could really catch it from the old swamp monster. What's she gonna do? Fall on you? <laughs> you know, Wes. I think you enjoy doing anything as long as you're not supposed to be doing it. Sure, doesn't everybody? <laughs> Get your flippers. So Wesley kind of still keeps up the, oh, my stomach. I could really go for like a soda or something. And Counselor Perry's like, oh, well, here, let me hook you up. As he goes over to this cooler on the ground. And Wes looks in like, wow, look at all this. You got, you, uh, sure, uh. Got a selection here. And Coach Perry... Or, why do I keep calling him Coach? Counselor Perry's like, oh, well, it's actually Miss Pr uh, Counselor Pritchard's uh, stuff here. So, Wesley, like, takes a swig, burps, like, oh, I feel much, much better. And any person who has seen an, a TV show that deals with this type of situation that Wesley's going to find himself in or a movie about adults touching children inappropriately knows the whole it'll be our little secret if some adult tells you to keep a secret don't that pretty much means they're up to no good so Perry kind of gets back up with a to a standing position because he was kind of kneeling down to Wes's level. And he's like, hey, if you hurry, you can catch up with Miss Pritchard's group. She lives leaves big tracks behind. And Wes is like, well, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather go snorkeling. And Counselor Perry is like, well, you know, you're supposed to be doing stuff as a group. 
And then he says to us, like, you sure like doing things when you know you're not supposed to be doing them, don't you? And Wesley's like, well, yeah, doesn't everybody? And Counselor Perry ruffles Wesley's hair, like, oh, you little scamp, you. So Coach Perry's like, oh, you know, we're supposed to do stuff as, as a group. I can really catch it from, as he refers to as the old swap monster. And Wesley's like, oh, what is she going to do? Fall on you? Like, enough with the fat jokes. The poor woman does not need them. Yeah, he says, Wesley, I think you enjoy doing something as long as you know you're not supposed to be doing it. And that's where he says, yeah, doesn't everybody? <laughs> so he ruffles Wesley's hair and tells him to go get his flippers. Now we get to the scene and I'm going to be playing it. This is really unsettling. Oh, boy, that was great. Listen, next time you get out of the water when I tell you to. But there was so much neat stuff down there. Old tires, refrigerator. I think I even saw you go. Hey, you better get changed before Godzilla and everybody else get back. Right. Here, let me give you a hand. Don't want you to catch cold. getting goosebumps. I'm gonna go change over there. <laughs> so in the next scene, Wesley runs around the corner. He's got his scuba gear in both hands and Counselor Perry says, the next time I tell you to get out of the water, you do so. And Wesley's like, yeah, but there's so much neat stuff down there, like a Yugo and a refrigerator and car tires. And Ew! And you're sweat. Where? Where did he take him? Some nasty-ass lake where people dump their shit, a fucking dumping ground for junk? I would not be swimming in that shit. Ew, that is nasty. So, Counselor Perry says, hey, why don't you get changed quickly so I don't get in trouble? And... Wesley starts drying off. Counselor Perry's like, oh, here, help. Let me help you speed up the process. As he takes the towel from Wes, towels his head off, and then he moves down to his shoulders with the towel as he's kind of using his hands to kind of massage Wesley's shoulders. Then the towel falls to the floor, falls to the ground. And the way that he's doing, he's like kind of massaging Wesley's shoulders, but then he takes his hands, slowly moves them from the shoulders down to past Wesley's, basically runs them down his arms. And Wesley right away does not feel all right with this. He immediately says, hey, I'm going to go change over there. And Counselor Perry kind of is like, he must know, like, okay, this... He didn't like this, clearly. Which, no, he didn't. I kind of wonder if he thinks he's going to catch heat for that. Like, dude, you way overstepped. He is a 10-year-old boy. He does not need help drying himself off. But at least this man fucking kept it above his waist. So now we get home. George wants to go golfing by himself. So he's creeping down the stairs very slowly with his... Does he keep that, um, his golf clubs in his bedroom? 
Where does he keep? Maybe in the whole closet upstairs? And Marcia comes in like, oh, honey, where are you going? And he's like, shh, shh, shh. I'm going to the club. I don't want Belvedere to find out. Of course, he opens up the door. Who's there? It's Belvedere, all dressed and ready to go. So Belvedere's been practicing on the front lawn, and he hands George some chunk of AstroTurf, like, eh, sorry, I kind of fucked up the lawn with the divots there, so. So George tries to uh, finagle his way out of this, says, hey, I actually have an interview with someone, a pirate, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop, so I'm not actually going to be golfing. So now Wesley is in his pajamas as he comes down. Marsha is like, honey, why aren't you dressed? The bus is going to be here like any minute. And Wesley kind of fakes sick. Like, I don't feel good. I really don't want to go. Like, please don't make me go. And this is a should be a red flag. But the thing is, Wesley is known for acting like this. And it's this is kind of catching up to him now. It's like... The one time you want to be serious, your mother is not going to believe you, buddy. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, he's like, oh, I can't go today, Mom. I got poison ivy. And she's like, oh, you poor baby. And he kind of takes a step back on the stairs. Like, oh, Mom, you better not get too close. This stuff is, like, contagious. It will spread. Aren't you dressed, honey? You're going to miss the bus. Can't go today, Mom. I got poison ivy. Oh, you poor baby. Don't get too close, Mom. This stuff's contagious. Let me look. I've had all my shots. Ah, yes. That's definitely poison ivory. Fortunately, it's the erasable kind. <laughs> All right, Wes, what did you do at camp? Nothing. That's easy enough to call your counselor and find out. No, don't. Then tell me what happened. I put a frog in some girl's shorts. I would have expected something more original. I couldn't find a snake. <laughs> Listen, young man, you are going back to that camp and you are going to behave yourself, understand? Yes, ma'am. Okay, now. So, Belvedere's like, oh, let me look. I've had all my shots. Oh, wow, that looks like poison ivy to me. As he rubs against Wesley's arm, like, huh, you know what? I bet it's, it's even the erasable kind. So, Marsha's like, okay, what's going on? What did you do? And... Wesley's like, nothing, I didn't do anything. And Marsha's like, well, fine, I'll call your counselor. And he's like, no, don't, don't, please. None of these red flags are being picked up by Marsha or Belvedere. And she's like, all right, well, then tell me what you did. He's like, um, I put a frog down a girl's shorts. And Belvedere's like, oh, well, I would have expected a snake. So she's like, get upstairs, get dressed, you're going to camp. So now we're getting to camp. As Miss Pritchard is kind of going over the agenda for uh, the day. Okay, now we're going to divide into two teams. And each team must attempt to find as many of the items on the scavenger list as they can and bring them back to camp. I hope there's a fat lady on it. <laughs> okay, who wants to be a beaver with Miss Pritchard? Why? What are you gonna do to me? <laughs> oh, very well then. All right, the rest of you can be cougars with Counselor Perry. Okay, let's everybody get their knapsacks and fill their canteens. Let's go. Hey, Wes. I was kind of hoping you'd be in my group. Yeah, well, I figured I'd go with Miss Pritchard today just for kicks. Sure. Well, maybe you'll be with me tomorrow. I think I'm going to be in Miss Pritchard's group from now on. I thought we were having a lot of fun together. 
Yeah. What? Is something bothering you? I mean, are are you upset about anything that happened yesterday? I just didn't like that stuff you were doing. Oh. Well, listen. I tell you what. Why don't we forget that yesterday ever happened? Fine. It'll just be another one of our little secrets. Okay? Sure. And Wes, you can keep the binoculars. So Wesley says, hey, I want to be in your group, Miss Pritchard. And she's like, why? What are you planning to do to me? And she, he's like, nothing. They're going on a scavenger hunt. She tells them they're breaking into two groups. And Perry's like, hey, buddy, I thought you were going to be in my group. He's like, oh, well, I thought I'd go with Miss Pritchard today. And he's like, oh, well, maybe next time. And then Wesley's like, well, I think I'll be in her group for the majority of uh, the day camp. And Perry's like, hey, um, you're not still upset about what happened yesterday, are you? And Wesley tells him, well, I really didn't like this stuff you, you were doing to me. So Perry tells him, like, hey, I'm sorry. Well, he doesn't apologize. No, he says, look, let's just keep that as one of our little secrets and pretend it never happened. Enough with the secrets, Perry! Enough! You sick fuck! You need to be put... You need to be fucking executed. You need to be fucking executed. That's my... That's my, uh... uh, How I feel about this. So... Perry even says, Hey, buddy, you can keep the binoculars. I would not want those fucking binoculars. I would fucking burn them. Or just throw them in the trash. This guy is still like, hey, tossing Wesley's hair. It's like, please don't. Even Wesley's kind of looking like, please don't touch me. Please just keep your fucking hands to yourself. So George comes into the kitchen as Belvedere is. Looks like he's making something. And he asks George, like, hey, how was your interview with Horace Wagner or something? And Belvedere's like, oh, good, good. Turns out this Horace Wagner guy has been dead for quite a while. Apparently this guy died in 1955. Oh, George. If you didn't want Belvedere to go, he should just come out and told him. As uh, George kind of chokes on his beer there or soda or whatever he's drinking. So George is like, look, I only golf nine holes. And Belvedere just looks like, hey, bud, J- George, just if you don't want to go golfing with me, just tell me. You know, it's not going to hurt my feelings. So he just says, no, I, I really don't want you to be there. And... Belvedere starts stirring furiously whatever he's got in that pan. And George is like, look, it's not about you, you're a poor golfer and you keep hitting people. It's just, when I go to the club, that's kind of like, that's my me time. You know, I, I just, I like to unwind and not have to, you know, I like to get out of my head every once in a while. And just, you being there isn't going to help that. Oh, apparently, uh, Belvedere does not fit in with George's other friends. Well, you know, I don't. Them's the breaks, I guess. So the phone rings as George leaves. Belvedere answers it like Mary Poppins. Speaking? (laughs) Turns out somebody is peeping through a window with the binoculars, and Belvedere right away thinks it's Wesley. Turns out it's Kevin who's the peeping. Buddy, stop it! 
Guys, what is your beef with the fucking Huffnagels? Every fuck, we never see these people. We never once see the Huffnagels ever. Where's it? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> Aren't you on the patio? Huh? <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> I found these in the trash, but they work pretty good. <laughs> Weren't those the binoculars your counselor gave you? Yeah. Well, it's not like you to throw a gift away. You usually huck it. <laughs> Didn't want him anymore, okay? Wesley, have you had a falling out with your counselor, Perry? No. Well, it seems like there's something wrong. Well, there isn't. I'm just sick of the stupid woods and the stupid lake and the whole stupid camp. So... Wesley sits down at the table. He's kind of playing with an apple, kind of spinning it in his hands. And Belvedere's like, well, it's not like you to throw a gift away. Um, you usually hawk it. And Belvedere sounds like, there's something going on here. Like, you got those binoculars. Now you don't want them anymore. You threw them away. And he asks, point blank, like, is there something going on with uh, Counselor Perry? Uh, did you have a falling out? And Wesley does not want to really open up about it. Something is clearly bothering him as he pushes his chair back from the table and stands up. Like, no, I just don't like the stupid camp, the stupid woods. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't want to fucking be there. And he, he walks out. So now we get to the day camp where they are putting on some weird Shakespearean play. So this is parents day. We got the kids like pulling off uh, their play uniforms. This one kid strips down to a bear. Sh like nothing. Like keep your shirt on. So I'm going to play this clip as we are going to get to the meat of what is going on with Wesley. Guys. Oh, honey, we really enjoyed you in your play. Yes, your acting in nausea certainly turned to my stomach. <laughs> Hi, I'm Counselor Perry, and you must be Wes's parents. Yeah. Hi, Gene. We hope he wasn't too much trouble. No, we really enjoyed him. Hope he signs up for next year. Hey, how about that, champ? Somebody actually wants you back. <laughs> well, um, listen, I better say hello to the other parents. Very nice meeting you. See you, Wes. Yeah, bye. So, uh, Westman, aren't you going to show us some of your, uh, crafts? Oh, right. Uh, they're on the table. I made the macrame handcuffs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Counselor Perry seems very nice. Yeah, I guess. Wesley, what's going on? Nothing. I'm going to go say goodbye to some of my friends. So Counselor Perry comes up like, hey, it's nice to meet the parents of Wesley, shakes their hand, puts a hand on Wesley's shoulder, and I'm surprised that Wesley didn't immediately yank himself away. Like, But then again, he's there with his parents. His parents don't know what's going on. And he says, I hope Wesley signs uh, Counselor Perry says, I hope Wesley signs up for next year. I'm going to introduce myself to the other parents. And... George is like, hey, buddy, where's the stuff that you made? And apparently Wesley made some macrame handcuffs. And Belvedere, while George and Marsha wander off to look at Wesley's creations, Belvedere's like, what's going on between you and Counselor Perry? And Wesley is still not uh, delving into this. And Belvedere just kind of watches Wesley wander off to say goodbye to his friends and he's like something's going on. He doesn't know what, but it's clearly not good. 
slingshot, huh? Yeah. I just got to figure out the best way to sneak it into the house. So uh, where are your folks? No, they couldn't come. Oh. You can get a ride home with us if you want. Mr. Belvedere will probably make a stop for ice cream. Oh, that's okay. Mr. Perry's going to give me a ride in his convertible. Huh? He said we might even stop for hamburgers. You ready yet, honey? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, let's go. Porcupine, I got the top down. See you, Wesley. Yeah, bye. Don't go with him. You shouldn't let him go with Mr. Perry. What do you mean, Wes? Yeah, Wes, what's the problem? Because if he goes with him, he might try to do something. Put his hands on him or something. What do you mean, honey? Why do you say that? Because that's what he did to me. So Wesley goes to say goodbye to his friend whose parents apparently couldn't make it. Why are they both fucking working? And Wesley's like, hey, do you want to come with us? Um, Belvedere's probably going to make us all stuff for ice cream. And Wesley's friend's like, no, uh, Counselor Perry's going to give me a lift in his convertible. Of course, he's, he's got the slingshot. He's like, I gotta find a way to sneak this into the house. And he's like, Counselor Perry even said we might stop for hamburgers. And um, Counselor Perry's like, alright, buddy, I got the top down. You ready to go? And Wesley is like, it's now or never you gotta speak up, buddy, because this is gonna be Coach Perry's next victim. Or Counselor Perry's next victim. And Wesley's like, no, don't go with him. And Counselor Perry and the kid turns and looks at Wesley like, what's going on? And now Marsha and George and Belvedere are there and they're like, wait, what's, what is, what, what's this about Wesley? And Wesley's like, no, if he goes with him, he might try to do something like put his hands on him. And they're like, why do you say that? And Counselor Perry is kind of looking at Wesley like, how could you betray me like this? This was supposed to be our little secret. Like, you, and Wesley admits, because that's what he did to me. And George, I looked at George, and it, I saw, like, his fist, like, clench up and then release. Like, he is ready to fucking deck this piece of shit. So, ugh. Now, we go to the next scene where we have George and Marsha and Wes sitting at a picnic table. Everyone else is cleared out. They've all clearly gone home. Where is the little boy? Um, I'm sure Belvedere must have went and called the cops because this needs to be resolved. I see why they call this bug juice. <laughs> uh -huh. I spoke to the police. They said they'd like to talk to Wesley. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start a big mess. Hey, pal, you don't have anything to be sorry about. Yes, sir. Which is what she told us as soon as it happened. You know you can always talk to Dad and me. I guess I figured I could handle it without anybody knowing. Like the time I broke the Chinese vase in Mr. Belvedere's room and replaced it with the one from Kmart. <laughs> take advantage of people and I was sort of extra nice to him to get sodas and stuff so maybe you should be mad at me look you didn't do anything wrong do you understand that 
You see, Wesley? It's not always your fault. <laughs> anyway, you said something when it counted. And you helped your friend Kyle. <laughs> and that took a lot of guts. Now I'm proud of you. Thanks. So, uh, listen, I, I guess we better get going, huh? Yes, we want to miss the rush hour with the bears. <laughs> so, are you okay now? Yeah, I'm fine. It's okay to cry. I know. Mostly all I feel like doing right now is burping. <laughs> Let's go home. So, George, they're all drinking the bug juice, and George makes a joke like, oh, I see why they call this bug juice. Belvedere comes over and says that the cops are there. They would like to speak to Wesley, you know, since uh, he is a victim and they need to get a statement from him. So Wesley, of course, now is feeling guilty because the police are involved. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start a big mess like this. And George is like, buddy, you don't have anything to be sorry about. And Wesley's like, yes, sir. And Marsha, who's sitting next to Wesley there, puts an arm on his his back and says, honey, I really wish you would have told us when this started happening. And Wesley felt like, well, I thought I could kind of take care of it myself and not let anyone know about it. You know, I know how you all tell me that I take advantage of people. And, I mean, I was being extra nice to get sodas and stuff. And I just, I thought that maybe it was my fault. And Marsha says, honey, you did nothing wrong, okay? This is not your fault. I like how they're telling Wesley's... You didn't do anything wrong. This is not your fault. Do you understand? Because I think that Wesley is feeling very guilty. Of course, like, he's to blame. Like, it's his fault. Like, now the police are involved and people are going to be angry. It's like, no, you spoke up. And George even says, it's like, but you spoke up. You saved your friend Kyle from going through the same experience as you did. All right? So don't feel bad about that. So they all decide to get up and head out. And I'm like, well, wait, the, the cops want to talk to Wes. They need a statement from this dude, from this kid. Not to mention, start looking into the places that he's been employed at if they've been like day camps or <clears throat> the Bigger Brothers program or other places where he's working with children. Talk to the employers. Find things out. Because this guy's probably got a history of this kind of shit. And Marsh even says, honey, it's okay to cry. And Wesley's like, yeah, I'm fine. I just, he feels like burping, so he burps. Wesley's resilient. He does not seem like the child that is going to crawl into a, a, a ball and, and cry and just, no, he... He's he's strong. Not, there's nothing wrong with with how people react differently to you know being abused and everything. There's nothing wrong. Everyone has their own way of coping and dealing with it. You know, will this affect Wesley down the road? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he'll just you know he's ten, so it's not like this isn't gonna linger down the road. So the family's back to normal. Uh, Kevin's still doing his thing with Mr. Clux. George and Belvedere are still... George is doing his golfing thing. Wesley's back to normal as Heather comes in with her hair all messed up with the curlers. He put crazy glue in her hot cooler. Cool, 
curlers. Well, he's back to normal. I'm going to play this clip here as Bryce Beckham, who plays Wesley, and Christopher Hewitt, who plays Mr. Belvedere, give a special message to children to not be afraid of telling an adult when someone does something inappropriate to you and touches you in a way that you don't feel comfortable to please come to an adult. Hello, I'm Christopher Hewitt. And I'm Bryce Beckham. Usually at this time, you would find Mr. Belvedere at his desk writing about the antics of the Owens family. But due to the special theme of tonight's episode, we thought we'd do something a little different. Yeah. We figured we'd talk to you kids and your parents too about something that's kind of hard to talk about. Tonight's episode about Wesley didn't really happen. But if ever you find yourself in a situation like that, there are certain things you should remember. No one should ever touch you in a way that makes you feel bad. And if they do, tell someone you trust, like your mom or your dad. And remember, if you have to keep a secret that makes you feel bad, it's not worth keeping. Yeah. Thank you, and good night from us all, Mr. Belvedere. Alright, so my rating for this episode, I'm going to give it... Hmm. You know, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I really, really liked it. The only thing I didn't really care for was the whole George and Belvedere golf plot. I mean, that pretty much would be plot B. And then, of course, Kevin and Heather would be, like, plots C combined. Because they were just so minimal. But I I think that this episode had a great, great message. Especially in the 80s when... All of this was was coming out and just wanting to make children aware of stranger danger, you know, parents telling their kids, like, hey, if an adult says they know your parents, they should know a certain, like, code word or something. Um, let me see, what was, um, there's a book by Ann M. Martin who uh, wrote The Babysitter's Club. It was called Missing Since Monday, and, um, that has to deal with, uh, you know, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna get that up on Goodreads, uh, real quick, and, cause that was a good book that dealt with, uh, kidnapping. Uh, actually, let me finish up my rating. So, um, definitely the, the subject matter was handled very, very good. I liked that Belvedere was really clued into what was going on. It took a little bit with Wesley's actions, him getting upset, the idea of, you know, him coming down and faking it, a poison ivy to get out of going to camp and just him throwing those binoculars away that uh, Counselor Perry had given him. Belvedere was clued in, like something was clearly going on that the parents... George had no idea what was going on, and Marsha just chalked it up to Wesley being, you know, Wesley. Um, but also, Wesley finally coming clean at the end and saving his friend from being put into an uncomfortable position as he had been. And also, at the end, I really liked how they followed up with... But it's just the fact that Mr. Belvedere was talking to the police. But then again, Mr. Belvedere was the one that was like keyed into what was going on with Wesley. He was looking at how Wesley was acting was unusual than what he would normally be like. So he was probably the one to let me tell the cops what's been going on. Because like I said, George and Marsha really... George had no damn clue. And the way that George kind of clenched his face, he wanted to, like, 
seriously decked that guy. Which I wouldn't be surprised because that probably is one of the first reactions if you found out that your child was being touched inappropriately by another adult is you're going to want to react violently. And I, I like that it wasn't swept under the rug. You know, Marcia even told Wesley, I wish, you know, you can always come to your dad and me with these problems. Don't feel like you have to handle all of this yourself because this is bigger than you. Okay? So I like that. And like I said, I like the cop thing that they got the cops involved right away. I do have the episode actually pulled up on YouTube and I would love to read some of these comments here from these people. It's just amazing. People like the counselor should be put in maximum security prison. I am sure the public understands what I'm saying. The legit, this legit made me cry. And as uncomfortable as it is, this episode is so important. Gotta love the 80s sitcoms when a burp and a laugh track makes attempted child molestation all better. Okay. This next comment. I was traumatized when I first saw this when it first aired. Well, then... As sad as that sounds, that means that episode's doing its job. It's it's not so much putting the fear of God into children, but it's making them aware that not all adults can be trusted, no matter how nice they seem. If they give you a gift, if they say, what happens between us, let's keep it a secret, that's the time to turn, go and tell an adult. <laughs> Okay, that's gross. I am not going to read that comment. Um, yeah, these, this is, wow, this is amazing. And I'm going to read this comment here. This person said, this wasn't as creepy as Different Strokes Bicycle Man episode. Seeing that back when it premiered on TV really scared us, which... I've seen bits and pieces. That episode, I believe, is on YouTube. That is one of the most literally disturbing TV episodes I have ever witnessed. Bits and pieces of that. It just, it's uncomfortable and unsettling. You thought that this was un a little unsettling? The Different Strokes episode is, is unsettling to the thousandth millionth degree. It is really bad. It makes your skin crawl. It makes you feel dirty. Especially because the guy who plays the bicycle man is Gordon Jump, who I remember, I remember seeing him on Growing Pains. He played Maggie Seaver's father, and I saw him in that. And then seeing him in an ep this episode of Different Strokes, that made me almost physically ill. It just... Ugh. There are some things, some movies, some things they show on TV, it's like, that shit sticks with you. No matter how much you want to erase it from your mind, it's almost like that image gets burned in your brain to the point where it's like, I can't even shut my mind off. But, I really enjoyed covering this episode, and I, I feel like today that definitely parents are even more aware of the things that are going on in the world with adults and children and everything like that. And, just, I think that that's very important. You, kids need to know that. That they can come to their parents if something doesn't feel right. If they're with it, especially, you know how you'd have uncle, 
Chris or Uncle So-and-so, who wasn't actually a biological uncle, but was usually a friend of the family. And it seems like a lot of times it was like a friend of the family who would do something. Somebody that was not in the immediate family. But, all right. Um, I am going to say hey to some podcast listeners. All right. We got Atlanta, Georgia, Bakersfield, California, Pakistan, B-H-U-T, I'll never know how to pronounce that. I should look that up. Sacramento, California, Griffin, Georgia, Newark, Ohio, Hillsdale, Michigan, Everett, Washington, St. Petersburg, Florida, San Jose, California, Boise, Idaho, Belgium, Republic of Korea, Miami, Florida, Cumming, Georgia, Malone, New York, Barcelona, Spain, San Francisco, California, Yokohama, Yokohama, Japan, Winnipeg, Canada, Norway, Honolulu, Hawaii, Tokyo, Japan, Boynton, Virginia, Summerfield, North Carolina, Vadodara, India. Guys, like I said, I am sorry if I'm mispronouncing any of these names. Let's see. Washington, D.C., Argentina, Cula Vista, California, Romeoville, Illinois, Lima, Peru, Boise, Ohio, or Idaho. Ooh, gosh. Alright, so I am going to attempt to try to get that Growing Pains episode. I have been having issues with both portable DVD players, and it seems to only want to really play the TV up here. And that sucks, because it's like, I can't really do the clips if I have it playing like that. But I'll give it my best. If I have to, I may not be able to play the clips, but... um, or maybe I can see about putting on uh, Amazon on my my phone and doing it that way. But guys, like I said, I hope you really enjoyed. Th- oh, oh, that's right. I wanted to get into that. Hold on, let me jump into that real quick. That uh, missing sets Monday. That book is really hard to find. I don't even know. You might be able to find it on eBay. I would love to read that again. I read that book when I was like, I had to have been like twelve or thirteen. And the thing is, it was a book that my older sister had. And it's by Anne M. Martin, who you all would know from the Babysitter's Club books. So, Missing Since Monday. Oh, this is only 176 pages. This book came out in 1994. All right. Maggie's taking care of her four-year-old sister for a week. Actually, it's her uh, step uh, half-sister, I believe. Her mother... No, her father remarried, and um, he and his new wife had a daughter. Okay. On Monday morning and the thing is the parents are also out of town. I remember that. Monday morning she puts Courtney on the bus to school and Courtney is maybe like four to five years old. That afternoon Courtney doesn't come home. She never made it to school that day. She's missing. The detectives looking for Courtney have hardly any clues. Then Maggie starts getting threatening phone calls and she thinks she's being followed. Whoever took Courtney is after her too. One thing's for sure. If the police don't find Courtney soon, Maggie will be the next one missing. And this was, like I said, I... uh, Read this when I was probably about 12 years old. So, and the main character is like a junior or sophomore in high school. So, probably some of the stuff there might have went out for my head. This um, cover is really 
I shouldn't say creepy looking, but it does give the girl running down a uh, suburban uh, street and there's a junky station wagon with a really fucked up uh, bumper grill on the front of it with a license plate and the dark shadow figure driving so you don't know who it is. But look, it looks, it makes it look sinister. And, um, what's the, oh, oh, um, the TV movie, um, based on the book, Face on the Milk Carton, that was about a girl being abducted. I know that's not, these aren't the same things as, you know, children being, but, you know, touched inappropriately. But, uh, that, uh, being abducted is probably one of the first, uh, things to happen or the second thing so all right everyone have a wonderful wonderful friday have a wonderful weekend and i will do my damnedest to try to get that growing pains episode out so all right bye bye everybody